Thank you for joining us here at Crossword Church for this week's message. Our desire is to see people's lives transform as they develop an authentic relationship with Jesus. We would like to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at mycrosswordchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. Amen. We're going to start a brand new series today. It's the beginning of the year, and it's a good time to start something new. Everybody say, it's good to start something new. But the best thing is to complete what we start. Amen. So we're going to talk about choices today. And over the next few weeks, the Lord has really impressed this upon my heart um, to share regarding choices. Navigating the obstacles to a godly life. <laughs> there are obstacles that will challenge us from living a godly life. And as a result, um, these obstacles are based on all the choices that we have. And so today we're going we're gonna to talk about choosing his way over my way. I want you to look at your neighbor again. I know I'm having you talk to one another, but um, this is intentional. Um, say, I have to choose his way over my way. Okay, so um, we're starting this new series, uh, Choices. It's coming from the book of Proverbs because Proverbs is, very, is a very personal and practical book. Really, all of the Bible is very real and relevant and is very relational. All of the Bible is. And it literally provides us with uh, insight on how we can make wise choices in life. Uh, because it's important that we understand that life is a series of choices, decisions that ultimately define and determine our destiny. So you're standing, you're sitting here today because you made a choice to be here. Uh, you have on your wonderful clothing because you chose to put those wonderful clothing on. The choices we make are the sum total of our life and the life that we will live. It's been said that uh, the sum total of our choices will produce the outcome of our character. I'm going to say that again. Our choices will produce the outcome of our character. And so sometimes with people, they can be a contradiction because we hear them saying one thing, one thing but they're making different choices. And so there is incongruency between what, what they're saying versus what they're doing. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, the word of God speaks to all the issues of our lives. All the issues. Every issue is addressed by us having knowledge in God. And having the knowledge of God. So, the way of God speaks to the issues of life. Let's just listen to Peter. The apostle Peter makes this statement and he's given instruction and encouragement to the church. And Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 2 and 4, Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and in Jesus Christ our Lord. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything. Everybody say everything. Everything that pertains to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own excellence. Peter is saying here that everything 
that we have need of can be found in the knowledge of God, in the wisdom of God. Um, Proverbs is considered to be one of the wisdom books in the Bible for living. I'm going to read something from Eugene Peterson in his introduction to the book of Proverbs. For those of you that love the Amplified Bible, (laughs) Um, this is what he says. Wisdom has to do with becoming skillful in honoring our parents and raising our children. Handling our money and conducting our sexual lives. Going to work and exercising leadership. Using words well and treating friends kindly. Drinking and eating healthily. Cultivating emotions within ourselves and having attitudes that are right towards others that produces peace. Wow. Threaded through all of these items is the instance that the way we think of and response to God is the most practical thing we can do. So Eugene Peterson is saying the way that we think about God and the way we respond to God is really the most natural thing we can do. In matters of everyday practicality, nothing, absolutely nothing takes precedence over God. Wisdom. Wisdom. So... Life is this, to love God, to honor God, to please God is what life is all about. And that we would come to a point where we make a series of choices that would bring skill into our lives, that would produce what is considered to be a successful life. The way of wisdom brings skill for successful living. Now, I know when we think of success in the worldly sense, it's, um, it's a little bit different to what God considers to be success. So after the death of the great leader Moses, his successor Joshua uh, addressed the children of Israel with a sobering command in Joshua chapter 1. And this is what Joshua told the people. He said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful. I love this. To do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have success. The King James Bible said you will have good success, which infers that then there is bad success. So, so this book of the Lord, God's word should not depart from our thinking and from our speaking. And it becomes, it becomes the blueprint through which we grid and live our lives. So let me ask a question. How would you define success today? If you were to open up the latest Forbes magazine, you know, because we tend to think success has to do with the abundance of material things. Joshua is telling the children of Israel here, for you to have good success, you need the word of God on your lips and in your mind. Why? Because if it's on your lips and it's in your minds, it's going to work its way out in your hands and in your feet. Oh, my goodness. It's going to work its way out in what you do and where you go when we walk according to the the word of the Lord. 
I personally would define with, um, success as knowing, doing, loving, and obeying the will of God for our lives. Success, which is skillful and effective living, is a progress of realizing God's purpose for each and every one of, of us. Which means that we can amass a huge fortune, and if we never know the purpose of that fortune, if we never know the purpose of our lives, we are not successful in God's eyes. We will have stuff, but we won't have success. See, because choices will, will form within us the ability to fulfill God's plan for our lives. Today, there are many choices. Life's choices can be very complicated today. Have you noticed? The thing about choices is that they present you with options. And all these options can be overwhelming. I was looking at Starbucks menu and I did not realize that there was over 38 different flavors of coffee type products that they would sell. And then I decided to skim on over to Haagen-Dazs. Anybody like Haagen-Dazs ice cream? And then I found out that Haagen-Dazs have over 63 different flavors. And so you can imagine if a foreign student or person comes to the United States or shows up at one of these places and they ask for ice cream, and then they start rattling off, well, which kind of ice cream do you want? That can present some challenges of complexity. I just want ice cream. And so choices can be very complicated. In our culture today, choices are becoming more and more diverse and more complex. From literature to entertainment to media to retail, banking, sports, medicine. Just think about this. You flip through your channel on your TV. If you have a cable or direct TV, you have literally hundreds of options. Technology, education, careers. Everything about our life is boiled down to our ability to make wise choices. And see, sometimes the church doesn't really deal with this. We say, you know, you need to love God, you need to pray, you need to read your Bible, and you need to come to church. But how many know being a part of God's kingdom has a lot more than just some, some boxes that we check off? It has to do with how we live our life. And God has given us wisdom so we can make proper godly choices. The world is filled with a compendium of options to divert us away from living a godly life. And it's always easy to choose what my flesh has an affinity for. What I mean by that. It means that if my mind is not being renewed on a daily basis, what I'm going to actually be craving is what the world is presenting to me. And so I must have the word of God before me uh, so that I can be able to filter through all the, 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 the noise and all of the uh, advances that are um, available to me and I can make godly choices. Many people today, they get their wisdom from all kinds of sources. Sometimes we get our wisdom from our parents, which is a great thing. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses is instructing the people to teach their children what they have learned from the word. In many Christian homes today, uh, they, they, they don't have a, a specified time where they're gathering together around the word of God. 
but we, keep, but we gather together around our, our favorite movie or our favorite board game or our favorite other thing. We will gather together and get in the, uh, the, the car or the, the SUV and we will go to the mall and we will go shopping and we will go do all these different things. Which is not bad, but it just means that the things that we're doing are our priorities and they are our choices. So let me just read Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 9. Uh, Moses is instructing, he says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely. I'm just going to stop there for a second. He says, only be careful and watch yourselves closely. A little bit further in this message, Paul is going to write to the church of Ephesus and he's going to talk about the very same thing. It seems as though with all the choices, we don't have time to be reflexive anymore. We don't have any time to really uh, be, be, be quiet and be still and to be analytical of that. Of, of things because everything is being drawn out of our emotions what we feel what we like what we want and 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 Moses is writing to uh, the children here and he's saying be careful this is a caution to watch yourselves closely we are so busy today watching others we're so busy today watching other people's lifestyle that we don't look at our own and evaluate our own he says, so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Which means if we're not looking at our own selves, it's very easy for the things that we have learned to dissipate from our memories. Because there's always a next thing. There's always a next choice. There's always a next option. There's always something else that seems to be glittering just a little bit. More shiny than the last thing. Isn't it interesting that now we just had an i8, uh, I'm sorry, an iPhone 8. Now we have an iPhone, what, 10? And then, and then people are gearing up for the iPhone 12 or 14 or whatever. And, and so there's always something better down the road. See, we have the distinct privilege of passing on to our children and grandchildren the wisdom of God to be able to make godly choices because we need to understand as parents we will not always be with our children and the degree to which we have imparted into them wisdom empowers them to make wise decisions when we're not around and so choices are critical. Some people get their wisdom from their peers. Now this could be good, <laughs> but but for the, in the most case, in most cases, it's really not good because what I'm choosing to do is to receive wisdom from people in my own space and in my own uh, uh, area of intellect and understanding, and watch this of experiences. And so when I choose to just simply listen to my peers, I am uh, diminishing my ability to truly get wisdom that's born out of experiences. See? And so wisdom is critical. Some people, some people just choose to get their uh, wisdom from the culture. Um, I'll just check my Twitter feed. I'll just check my Facebook. I'll just, I'll just see what the, what, what the culture is telling me that I should be thinking. 
and, and how I should be acting and what I should be wearing. And my wisdom is being filled up by a world's wisdom. God calls that actually folly. <laughs> See, accord, according to Paul, according to Paul, the Apostle Paul, he writes to this great church called Corinth in 1 Corinthians 3, 18. And this is what Paul says. Wisdom is choose. Uh, it's, it's, it says this. The wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. <laughs> so, so, so God is not impressed with how many letters follow our name. We do know that, right? He, he's, he's not impressed. He's not impressed with, with the fact that they have to call us honorable this or doctor this. Or He's not impressed. He's literally calling the wisdom of the world foolishness. Wisdom is choosing to see from God's point of view as revealed in his word. Yes, yes. Wisdom is choosing God's way over my way and applying his precepts and his principles to my life. See, I must discipline myself to learn these life-enriching skills that will build into my life a character that is forged and, and, and is being forged out into my future. And in doing so, I will be then walking in the will of God. The way of God calls us to value the word of God. I'm going to say that again. The way, there's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is, is not good. It ain't good. Uh, so, so, so the way of God calls us to value the word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And here we see the great king Solomon, and he's, he's speaking and he's pouring into his son. And he says this, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commandment for length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you, bind them. Around your neck and write them on the tablets of your heart. And so, find favor and esteem in the sight of God. So he starts out and he says, do, do not forget my law. Now it's interesting here because Solomon is a father and he's speaking to his son. And he begins this conversation with a warning. And the, the warning here is, do not forget my law. And because he's a king, you would think that he's talking about decrees that he has made, laid out in the land. But literally what he's talking about is God's law that has become Solomon's law by which Solomon is governing his life. And he says, do not forget my law. Literally, the law of God has become personalized to Solomon. And now he chooses to govern his life. From God's word's perspective. He says let your heart keep my commandment. That's why when we come to settings like this. And we are taking notes. It's wonderful. But the, the notes on the page cannot impact my life. If they don't get lifted off the page. And be placed into my heart. And so he's telling them. Write them on your heart. Because what? Out of the heart, the issues of life flows out of our hearts. How we live, how we think, how we perceive, how we interact with others, our ability to forgive and, 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 and to serve, all of that comes out of our hearts. 
See? Deciding not to forget God's word is more than just having a mental exercise of memory. I remember as a young boy, we would have what was called scripture boxing. And we had about four churches that would get together. And there was a weekend and these churches would compete in sports and in biblical calisthenics. And the biblical calisthenics was you had, whoever learned and, and can recite the most scriptures would get prizes. And so, and, and so as, as a young boy that was very competitive because I love soccer, what I did was I didn't just re, uh, re, rehearse or memorize random scriptures, but I memorized entire chapters. And so when my, when my opponent would stand up and they would say, you know, yeah, bless the Lord on my soul, and they would stop. I would get up and I would say, bless the Lord on my soul and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. And I would just go and just rattle them off and they would be demoralized. But it was for me back then, it was about memorization. Little did I know that I could be in my 40s and I can start recalling those scriptures. See, because I was writing them here, but God was really writing them here. See, and, and, so, and so he says, do not forget my law. Do not forget my law. Keep my commandments. See, if the idea is that we're not just memorizing the scriptures just because we know it's the good thing to do. The idea is that these scriptures, this word of God is, 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 is connected to me and I am choosing to live what I know by the word. See, if a person memorizes the word and they choose to not live according to word to the word, we can clearly say they have forgotten the word. They may be able to recall it, but it's bearing no fruit in their life. And so the idea of learning is so that we can have a doing. Let me say that again. The idea of learning is so that we can have a doing. That's why in the body of Christ, the emphasis must be not on just conversions, but on discipleship. Because discipleship is every, has everything to do with what I have learned from the scriptures. I am putting in practice in my day-to-day life. And I'm walking as a follower of Jesus and not just as another church member or as a cultural Christian. It's the willingness to say that my life belongs to his and I am following him. See, it's important to understand the heart is critical because one of the first things that gets drifted away from God is our hearts. When we have a mind that is unrenewed, it then works its way down and then our heart becomes disinterested. And so people do not walk away from God just by osmosis. You can see the pattern of someone that's drifting away from the Lord. Because their minds are being renewed in something other than the word of God. And as they intake that, new, that information, it filters down into the heart. And then all of a sudden, their affections, their affinities begin to change. And someone that used to love God and be passionate for God, all of a sudden they have this laissez-faire, uh, complacent attitude be, be about Jesus. Because they have forgotten the word of the Lord. He says, he says, he says, they will add to you. The word will add to you. It's amazing sometimes we can have the most beautiful of Bibles. Well, now we have devices that has multiple translations, right? And we take up our devices and we look at all this other stuff. And you all have heard me use this, this analogy that, you know, Facebook and the Bible app sometimes is right around the same area. And we have a choice. Everybody say a choice. 
And we can go a whole day, a whole week without taking a look at the Bible app. But we're on Facebook and Twitter and all the Instagram. And we're on these devices and we are looking. Our gaze have been fixated somewhere else. Because his word has become, has been rendered not attractive to us anymore. And so now it's just some words, but it's not life to me. And I can do life by myself because I get my wisdom from culture as opposed to understanding his word is life to me. I like how he says this, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Solomon wisely told his son to keep God's love, his loyalty, keep his mercy and his truth close. Why, you th- why do we think he's saying that? Why is it important for us to keep God's mercy and truth close to us? I would submit this because he literally says um, to bind them around our necks, you know, like a necklace, and then to write them on the tablets of our heart. This commentator, Matthew Poole, mentioned this about Proverbs and this particular thought. And he said that mercy and truth should be understood here as being from God. We get that. But it's literally what God is giving to us. So God is is extending to us mercy and truth. And because God is wise, his intent is that then we would turn around and administer to our fellow men, brothers and sisters, that same mercy and truth. So we should be able, when someone has hurt us, we should be able to administer to them mercy. See, but we, we, we're challenged when we are faced with, with relational difficulties and we don't want to extend mercy because we don't understand the mercy that we have received. And that's why we have to write this on our heart. Mercy and truth are frequently joined together. This is, this is how the psalmist put it in Psalms 25.10. He says, all the parts of the Lord... Listen to that statement. All the parts of the Lord are mercy and truth. Wow. To such keep his covenant, to such as keep his covenant and his testimony. So, so all the parts of the Lord is mercy and truth to those that are willing to keep his covenant. And then he says, bind them. Use terms like write them. These are vivid expressions of us glorying in, uh, meditating on, and acting on these principles. You know, in Psalms chapter 1, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel, the wisdom of the all of the ungodly, of the world, of the culture, right? But his delight, y'all have heard me say this before, but his delight, let's think about delight. What is it that you delight in? <laughs> and this is, this, is, this is so true. It depends on the day, as my dear brother said, because we have choices we have options see 
Because if you live in an African nation where there's been drought, what you delight in is getting some food in your belly and getting some water on your lips. And you're not really concerned about all the different flavors of the food you're eating. You just want some substance. See, I feel like the church in, the, in America, we've, be, we've become uh, so, um, we've been overwhelmed by options. And so I'll take a little bit of Jesus here. I'll take a little bit of word here. You know, um, and if I don't really like what it's saying here at this church, I'll just skip on over to another church that's going to tell me what I want to hear. And options and choices, which should have been a blessing from God, has literally become a curse. Because we do not know how to make wise and godly choices. When you leave this place today, you will be presented with a multitude of, of choices. He says, he says, so in doing this, so find favor. The blessed and the obedient life. So find favor with both God and with men. God and man. Let me continue. Let me continue. Are you getting anything out of this? Okay. The way of God instructs us to walk, to walk wisely. It instructs us to walk wisely. Why do you think we need instructions to walk wisely? <laughs> because our natural affinity, right? Our, <laughs> our bent is to walk unwisely. But nobody want, wants to be told that they're walking unwisely. And we know the other word that we don't really like hearing is foolishly. No one wants to be told they're walking foolishly, right? But he's instructing us about how we should walk. So Paul, again, as mentioned earlier, he's now writing to this Ephesian church, and he's talking to them about how they should walk. And the idea is how they should live their life. So when you see the word walk here, it's talking about lifestyle, very all-encompassing of who you are. Right, so in chapter five, verses seventeen through uh, fifteen through seventeen, Paul writes to the church and he says, "Therefore, to understand, therefore you got to go up and read the other stuff, but we don't have time for that right now. Uh, be, therefore, be careful how you walk. This again is another caution. Be careful, be mindful, be cognizant, be discerning of how you walk." Not as unwise men or women, but as wise. He's telling us how to walk. Isn't it amazing? I, I, God is the only God that will put choices before us and, say, and tell us which one to choose. I've placed before you life and death. Please choose life so you can live. And we like, I got you, God, but I'm choosing death today. Right? But he loves us so much. Making, so this is how we're going to be wise. Watch this. Because it's amazing with the scriptures how he leaves nothing for our imagination to try to just figure out. He says, don't walk as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time. So the way we walk wisely is to make the most of our time. What this is speaking to is the, uh, this idea of being disciplined and being diligent. Making the most of your time. Why? Because the days are evil. Because the days 
are going to be pressing on you some thoughts and some feelings and some experiences that does not identify with God's word. The days will be pressing on you a lifestyle and an option that tells you there is another way I can live that is opposite God's way. Verse 17, so then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. This is a heavy statement because it's saying that if you don't know the will of God for your life, I'm sorry, it's in the Bible. This is not passive. If you don't know the will of God for your life, you're living foolishly. What people need to understand is that God is not hiding their purpose, purposes uh, uh, from them or hiding their, his will for their lives from them. The reason why we don't know is because we don't hide ourselves in his word and we don't spend time in intimacy in prayer. As you begin to set 2018, you have to be willing to make the priority of discerning God's will for your life the main thing. Because once you've discovered God's will, your life becomes very simple. And you begin to understand, I can do that and I cannot do that. But when we live in ambiguity and we don't know his will, we're just choosing all kinds of things. And we find ourselves down in alleys and uh, neighborhoods that we didn't realize we would end up. You know, as I've said, thoughts are like trains. They'll take you somewhere. I'm going to say that again. Because some of us, we need to really be able to manage our thought life. We, we, we need to be good stewards of our thought lives. Because when we get on the wrong train of thought, it will take us to a destination that we did not intend. And that's where wisdom, because wisdom will say, oh, that thought is not from God. I'm, I'm casting that down. If, if, but if there's no wisdom, that thought will come and we will embrace it. We will entertain it. We will talk to the thought. And all of a sudden, the, the thought now is con- has control controlling interests in our minds oh lord jesus let's see you must choose to pursue to pursue god's wisdom for your life because it does not come by chance <laughs> you know sometimes we get we we come to the lord and we come into church and they don't they don't explain to us that to walk with God requires some effort. <laughs> you know, we, we just come in and they lay hands on us and, and everything is going to be grand. No, 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 no. Anything that's great requires effort. <laughs> I mean, think about this. We did not end up in the situations that we find ourselves by chance overnight. It did just happen overnight. That's why God provides something called sanctification. I know that's a big word, and we don't talk about that a lot in in church, but it's the process of us being separated from the old life and being separated unto God. Sanctification. It means I don't just get up today and decide, do like I love Jeannie and Clink, and I'm sanctified. No, no, no. no. There's some effort involved. I got to take up the Bible. I got to choose to forgive when I don't want to give. I got to choose to, uh, to forgive. Uh, I, I don't want to. I, I have to love when I don't want to love. 
I have to serve when I don't want to serve. See, sanctification. Okay, I don't know what that one's from. Okay. Wow. We have to intentionally invest ourselves in the lifestyle of God's kingdom by pursuing his will for us. Because if we don't, we will be powerless and ineffective in doing kingdom stuff. We will just be talking kingdom stuff, but there won't be any fruit of kingdom stuff. And so we have to make sure that we're not just talkers. Okay, so let me just land here. So wisdom, wisdom, Solomon is talking about wisdom. God makes it really, really simple. James chapter 1. Because he wants, he wants this to be available to everybody. You know, it's not for the secret society. Y- you know, y'all know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so James chapter 1 verses 5 and 6, he says, listen, if any of you lack wisdom... You must ask of God. Look at the character of your heavenly father who gives generously without finding fault. And it will be given to you. Verse 6 says, but when you ask, here is the the deal. When you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea. That is blown and tossed by the wind. The challenge with people not operating in the wisdom of God is because there's so much unbelief and doubt in their system that the word of God gets choked out. See, here's what you have to guard from. You have to guard your life of unbelief and doubt. Because when we live and we're operating just by our senses, unbelief and doubt is the prevailing entity that's that's running our lives and so if things look like it's not going to work out guess what we start talking and saying it's not going to work out but the believer who's walking in the wisdom of God knows how to lock in how to plant their feet and understands the word of God and rehearse the word of God in spite of everything that they see that they feel that they hear because they are locked in on the truth of this that if God has spoken it he will bring it to pass and his word cannot return unto him void and so if I need a little bit more wisdom in my relationships if I need a little bit more wisdom in my finances if I need a little bit more wisdom in being able to witness to someone and being able to pray I just got to get on my knees and I got to ask my father and the promise is this he will give me the wisdom I need to make the right choices in life And there is an assurance and a confidence that comes with the believer that knows their father. And they're walking in wisdom and understanding and knowledge. And they know how to navigate the options that will send them off course to not live the godly life.